for today's message. We shall be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 to 47. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Our God is good. It's good to see you here and healthy. And we thank God for the continuous improvement of our society in relation to the pandemic. Before I begin, I'd like to uh, thank the Lord for His grace and goodness. If you observe outside, we have our generator. Um, and it costs us almost more than 800000 to purchase that. And when we were planning purchasing that, we had just enough, just enough. And, and we were meeting in the board with the board of elders, should we, should we not? And, uh, but earlier this year, there was a category five that passed through, uh, this, well, not directly at the Philippines, but the waters of the Philippines. And we were saying, well, it happened before when these types of typhoon hit Camarines uh, Sur. It takes weeks before we can have our electricity. And many of us don't have anywhere to charge our phones just to tell our loved ones that we're okay. Um, so we said, let's do it. So that's why if you look at November, the budget was quite high. But, you know, by the grace of God, somebody from not here, not here, from somewhere else who listened to our videos, decided to give us an amount that is beyond that. Um, and this is just one family. And um, the timing was impeccable. It was, I would say, the Lord. And they don't know anything about, I don't keep telling you, generator, 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 not on video. It was a private thing. Uh, with the elders and with some of you. So I'd like to say God is faithful. And I hope you agree, even in our personal circumstances, in the moments we struggle, instead of focusing on the struggle, what should we say in our hearts? We just keep believing that God is faithful and what he has planned, he shall fulfill. So I'd like to say God is good. Let's give a hand to the Lord. Um, I think everything fell into place, even our support, technical support from Metro Manila. We called friends. Some of the members of the board called friends, and they were able to help us verify because we were not there. And some of us from here gave their time to visit. So we praise God. I praise God for this community, and I'm so grateful to the Lord for making me part of it and even helping me at least be one of those to build it. And I'd like, I hope you feel the same way, that as we grow as a community, the Lord will allow all of us to grow. And somehow we see and sense the grace increase uh, in our lives amid, amid the struggle, amid the, uh, amid the problems that we encounter. Now I'd like to point you to the scriptures once again, and uh, we're still on the core value series of GCF, and uh, it's part of our constitution, these core values, and you'll find it at the back of your uh, bulletin. And today's sermon is connected to intentional evangelism. And we have titled this, Proclaim the Gospel. And uh, based on Luke 24, 44 to 47, if ever you get lost and you are thinking, what will I tell my friends? Then you go back to Luke 24, 44 to 47. Keep coming back here again and again and again. Now, after his resurrection, the Lord appeared to his disciples. He showed his resurrected body to them so he could comfort them. Remember, the disciples were sad that they were hoping that this is the man who will restore order or the kingdom of David to Jerusalem from the Romans. 
But they did not understand that it was a spiritual kingdom first that he was establishing. So the Lord showed himself bodily to them so he could comfort them and also ease their doubts. And the Lord even asked something to eat. And the disciples gave him boiled fish and he ate the boiled fish. Uh, perhaps to prove that he was physically there and he was not a spirit. Not a spirit. Um, one time they thought that he was a spirit when he was walking on water at night and they said, look, it's a ghost. Uh, well, the Lord was so kind to speak to them nicely. If, I were, if they called me a ghost, they'll be in trouble, right? So, but <laughs> the Lord was so kind to them. Now here, to prove I believe that he was not a spirit, he ate with them. Now, let, let's read that part of Scripture, verses 36 to 43, just to read the account to prepare ourselves for the main message today. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? Take note, while they were wondering with joy, but some still doubting, he asked, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he's, he took it and ate uh, before them. Now, after eating, the Lord explained the message and the mission to things. First, the message is the gospel, and we'll talk to you, we'll discuss today what is the heart of the gospel the first was the, the message is the gospel, and the second, the mission. The mission is claim the gospel to all na nations. And the, the word nations there is, of course, ethne, not geopolitical nations, meaning not Philippines, Malaysia, although that is also true, but it is more of ethne, meaning ethnic groups. And if you look at revelations, every tongue, every language, every dialect, every tongue, tribe, and nation. So. We're talking about smaller people groups here, which is estimated to be around 24,000 globally. So the mission, if we were to interpret it with a modern missiological perspective, it is not the geopolitical nations, unlike the time of William Carey and Hudson Taylor. They viewed it more of a geopolitical nation because definitely the gospel was not present in these geopolitical nations. But now in this day and age, almost every nation has heard the gospel. Geopolitical, we're talking about, but not every tribe and tongue has surrendered to the gospel. So the goal is to plant churches, small communities of believers to all these tribes and tongues wherever they are. So the Philippines, if you look at it, is we are a geopolitical nation with many sub-ethnic groups. And the Bicolano is one because it is a dial language in itself. The Cebuanos as well, the Ilocanos. Um, but then you have the unreached still that we need, and uh, perhaps, but I don't, my data is not updated. I, I heard that uh, some of the tribes in the south um, have slowly, one, of, one by one, believers are being formed. And we're talking about the um, tribes like the Bajau, tribes like the Maranao, the Tausug. And some of them are already here. So now missions is not necessarily going very far away, but finding where they are because they now travel. We've been traveling because of technology, the plane, the, uh, the vehicles, and people like going to the city, so they're here. So again, the message is the gospel. The mission is to preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel to all the ethne, the nations. Now, uh, point number one, and I'd like to say that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Lord opened 
their understanding of the Holy Scriptures. He explained that he fulfilled Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. In other words, everything happened according to God's plan. Therefore, Christ, I would say, is the center of God's plan. And he is the center of Scripture. Let's read verses 44 to 45. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So he mentioned about how he fulfilled Moses. I could imagine this would be a long, was a long discussion with the Lord. When the Lord explained, it wasn't like we read it and that's how long it was. No, I believe this took time because he had to explain from Moses, from the Psalms. And he had to go through a lot of scriptures from the Old Testament showing them where he was there. Where am I here in the Old Testament? So this was a long Bible study, as you call it, as we call it. A study of scripture with them. And, uh, and it says that he, the Lord, opened, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's why if you have a Jewish perspective of the Old, Old Testament, you don't easily see it. Because the, the cultural perspective of the Jews is the coming Messiah is somebody who will liberate them from their captors, starting from Babylon, Persia, and now it was Rome. These world powers, that was their viewpoint. But then the viewpoint of, of the Lord Jesus and that he was showing his disciples is, no, I fulfilled all of them. That's why we should have a, a Christ-centered viewpoint of the Old Testament. Now, the goal of a proclamation is to open the understanding of people. As the Lord opened the minds of his disciples, the disciples did the same thing. The goal of a proclamation is to make people understand the gospel. Thus, we have to, one, proclaim according to Scripture. But as we proclaim it as clear as possible according to Scripture, we have to rely on the Lord to open their eyes. Because clearly the Scripture says, you know, it, the Lord opened their understanding and we see as well uh, Paul the Apostle also explaining that, even in Corinthians, that the natural man cannot understand the things of God, but the spiritual man can understand the things of God, meaning it is the Holy Spirit, it is the Lord's work to make people understand. But what is our role? Our role is to proclaim the gospel as clear as we can. And later we'll zero in on simply how do we proclaim the gospel. Point number two, and this is the heart of the gospel, uh, suffering, death, and resurrection. Which many, if you look at in the Philippines or, or countries in South America, which was conquered by Spain, they converted using the sword, meaning by force, they forced conversion, so therefore many believe of the suffering, death, and resurrection, but absence, its meaning, it doesn't mean anything. That's why we have to explain what is the meaning of the suffering, death, and resurrection. So even though many would say to you in, in our geopolitical nation uh, that they do believe in the suffering, death, and resurrection, then if you ask them, what does it mean? Uh, what, what's the connection of a death? Why did he have to die? Now, unless you root the law, you read it to the law, the ceremonial law, nobody could really understand it. As the writer of Hebrews rooted that suffering and death of Christ to the Old Testament ceremony under Moses, that's when it became clear. It becomes clear, oh, that's why. The Lord explained to the, according to the scriptures that it was necessary for Christ to suffer, die, and on the third day rise from the dead. And the disciples witnessed these events, which became the heart of the gospel. As the disciples witnessed what his suffering, death, and resurrection, they were witnesses. They saw him alive. He ate fish with them. But later on, he would, they would see him ascend. They were witnesses. 
We did not see the Lord rise from the dead. We are believing in their witness, which they wrote. And that's why even in, in the book of John, in the longest prayer recorded in the Gospels or in, in the New Testament, the longest prayer of Jesus in John 17, and the Lord, the Lord prayed, I pray for these you gave me and those who will believe them. And he's talking about those who will believe his apostles. The Lord prayed. So we believe in the apostles as we believe in the New Testament writings. That's how we believe the apostles who were witnesses. And because we, they witnessed it, we believe it, and we pass on that witness. Verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written. So again, he's opening their understanding. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Now, it didn't say suffer death and resurrection, but you have to assume because there's a rising from the dead. So he suffered and on the third day rise from the dead. And just a trivia side note, because uh, somebody asked me, is it really three days? Because if you count the number of hours, it's not, it's not three days. It's not 72 hours. Uh, no, the, how the Jewish look at one day is Friday, he died, that's the first day. And then the second day, that's a Saturday, and the third day, on the Sunday, he rose again. So that's how they viewed a day, not in terms of numbers. And I was sharing this in a growth group uh, uh, one of my brothers, a doctor, said, oh, that's how doctors charge in the hospital. When you come in, even if you're late at night, that's one day. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to come in, come in early. Okay, it doesn't matter. You still pay the doctor the same thing. <laughs> so, or the hospital, it's one day, uh, and the second day and third day. So even this way of thinking still exists today. So if somebody tells you the scriptures are not real, it's not three days, look at the number of ours. And they're trying to look at it in a point of view of, of number of hours in a measure per day. So how I measure my day is not necessarily 24 hours. My, how I measure my is the time I wake up first day for me. Now, I don't know how you measure your day. Well, what if I woke up 12 noon? Well, I don't know. It's up to you. Would you count your day? You haven't started your day. That's why when you wake up, you start your day. But again, that's trivia. Let's go back to the lesson now, I'd like to say that this phrase, we should never get tired of hearing this, and we should never get tired of proclaiming it. In fact, you have to find ways to inject it somewhere, always. If, for example, you were asked, oh, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, maybe she should lead the prayer. And that often happens, by the way. How do you know that some people will criticize you for being a Christian, but if somebody needs to pray, they want you to do it? That's the funny thing. They want you to do it, but they don't want to do it. But they'll talk behind your back because you're a Christian. And uh, so what do you do when you pray? Don't just pray for the food or for the event. You always inject. We thank you for the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You always inject it because in some way you are proclaiming the gospel through your prayer. Then you must also inject the next point. Now, that can also happen before you eat, whether you are celebrating Christmas. Let us remember that, that the Lord was born to die for us one day. And let us remember the suffering, death, and resurrection. And that becomes communion. When you eat together with a point of remembering the Lord's death and his resurrection. And when you remember the new covenant. Of course, bread was the main staple then. Our staple is rice. Uh, but before we partake of the same meal, if you say that before you eat in a manner with solemnity and, and treating as sacred and remembering the Lord's death, that is in a manner of speaking uh, an ordinance, although we still do some form of, uh, of small ceremony for some of us in church every quarter we do it here, but we say it's more real if it's a real meal because it was a covenant meal. There were 12 disciples and the Lord, and they had the covenant meal when he said, this is my body. And um, of course, we believe that it's more of a symbol. It is not a, a literal body. Uh, it's, it's not in a form of cannibalism, but more of a symbolic 
something symbolic of the body which would die for us and the blood which will be poured for us, which is again in relation to the ceremonial law because in the Old Testament covenant, the body of the sheep would be broken and the blood will be spilled. The body would be broken in the brazen altar outside the tent and inside the tent, in, in the altar of incense, the blood and, and the mercy seat, the blood will be poured. So again, it's like the body and the blood. You still connect it back, back to the old covenant that's why he is the fulfillment of the old covenant. And then, what did he say next? Well, next point is repentance for forgiveness. And sadly today, this is less emphasized by many so-called Christians, and it's sad to say, groups, campus groups. This is less emphasized. The emphasis was more on bow your head and pray after me. It, that's how to accept Jesus. That's how to if you ask them. And uh, I think believers should really study the word and we should have a healthy skepticism on ourselves first and then on the practices, even of our fellow believers. Why? Because we submit to the scriptures, not to tradition. Not because it's being done all the time doesn't mean it's necessary, ac necessarily accurate. Now, the Lord made it clear that his disciples should proclaim repentance to receive forgiveness, and they should proclaim it to all nations. Repentance signifies a change of mind and emotion. It reverses the direction. So repentance is a change of perspective, a change of mind, but that includes the emotion you have towards sin. Now you begin to hate sin, and you begin to be ashamed of sin. Well, before you are not actually ashamed of sin, you just do it. And if ever you're ashamed of it, you try to sleep well. And you can imagine how many people can sleep well after doing terrible sins. Uh, now, repentance is a change of direction where for what, before we were comfortably living with sin. And uh, repentance is a reverse, a reverse perspective towards it. Now, when you say sin, some people are thinking it's just the terrible sins that we know, like adultery, like murder, drunkenness, violence, and we, we, we sort of feel that kind of sin because it harms others in a manner of speaking. But scripture does not see that as the only sins that we must pay for. If you look at Romans 1, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness, and that included what? That included gossip. You speak against people behind their backs, whether it's true or not, but you have a negative attitude towards them. Hatred is a sin. In fact, John said, First John, if he who hates his brother is not a true believer, to the effect that he's saying that. He who loves God and hates his brother is a liar. He's not true. So if, if, if somebody says, I'm a good person anyway, well, have you hated somebody? Have you lied? Have you cheated? In, have you stolen something from the grocery when you were a kid? Well, I have. Never got caught, by the way. So after I got saved, I felt so convicted. I went, now a grown man, well, not totally grown, but a man, a young man. I went, to, I went back to where I grew up and went to talk to the manager. Who's the manager here? And I met the manager. I said, I stole candy when I was a kid. I'd like to pay for it. And he said, it's okay. <laughs> Perhaps in his mind, he was saying, I stole candy too. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what was in his mind. But you know, suddenly you feel this conviction of what is wrong, what is sin. And uh, the one who says, I'm a good person anyway, doesn't understand the gospel. The gospel is, if you understand it, you, there was a necessity for Christ to die because all have sinned. There was a necessity for a sacrifice because nobody was worthy. And if, you study, if you, we studied Hebrews, nobody would, what is worthy is somebody who is sinless, not one. And if we sin just once, we need Christ. And that's what we want to promote. And people to understand that we all need him. This is not about morality, although morality is a byproduct of believing in Christ. Take note, a byproduct, it is not the product. 
It is not the gospel. It's not what we're selling. It's not be a good person that is all about Christianity. No, no. That is a byproduct of Christianity. The essence is understanding how wretched a wretched sinner I am. And after your salvation, you still feel how wretched you are. And you're still thankful of the grace and goodness of God. Let's read verse 47. And please don't forget this verse. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be, take note, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is a command of the Lord. You know, Luke 24 verses 44 to 47 is Luke's version of the Great Commission. And uh, for some of you who love to read and attend these conferences, Matthew 28 uh, is a more famous Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Luke's version is also to all nations, but something very clear. Hey, you are witnesses of the suffering and death and resurrection, my suffering and death and resurrection. And I showed you in scripture where it is. You have your witnesses that I taught you that, your witnesses that I rose again from the dead. But then you have to proclaim what? Repentance. I know we should avoid speaking because of the possible spread of the virus. But can you whisper with me, repentance? One more, repentance. That's very important. So what is repentance? A turning around, a change of perspective. That includes feeling sorry for your sin, but not just feeling sorry, you are decided. And that can only happen, by the way, once again, because the Lord allowed us to hear the message and the Lord allow us by his Holy Spirit to do so. And this is, for me, an ongoing process because there is such a thing as sanctification. Although I do believe through faith, as we studied the book of Romans, through faith, once is justified, People are justified through faith. But if one truly believes, he repents of his sins. We have a turning around. So if you're sleeping around and you're, you're already married, sleeping around with others, repent of your sin. If you are engaging in premarital sex, repent of your sin. If you did that before, confess before the Lord and say, forgive me, Lord, for what I have done. And we must be ashamed of it. But the Lord does not condemn, although we feel ashamed. The Lord does not condemn because what the Lord offers is forgiveness. And we praise God for that. We praise God for that. Those who proclaim should resist the temptation not to include. So when you proclaim suffering, death, and resurrection, always include. So if you're asked to pray, for example, in a gathering, a meeting and say, can you lead the prayer? Then you mentioned, we thank you for your suffering, death, and resurrection. And we remember that you commanded all men to repent. Repent of our sins. Put that in the prayer. You are indirectly or actually directly proclaiming the gospel to those who hear you. Find every opportunity in whomever the Lord has touched that day, hopefully by his grace, would one day speak with you. But if you keep injecting that, somehow you are already claiming the gospel of Christ. So I hope we obey. This is the Lord's command, by the way. I hope you and I obey that we should uh, well, proclaim what the apostles witness is suffering, death, and resurrection. But we should also proclaim repentance. We should repent of our sins. Now, did you... Who have you told recently about repentance? Well, we, we were, we're glad for every opportunity. So yesterday, a brother from, from the north, north, it's not Ilocos, just Camarines Norte, okay, from the north, <laughs> not far north, just from the north of Camsur, which is Cam Norte. So, uh, well, invited us to their place. So a few of us hopped on and uh, sort of interested in, in somehow being connected with GCF. We don't know uh, the exact, when we went there, we just don't know the exact details, but we just wanted to see the brother who's part of us, part of our growth group. We just wanted to visit him. So it was a, like a growth group uh, visit. 
But there, even though he says he was a believer, I had to make sure I still proclaim because sometimes it's not as clear to others, even though they attend church. So I have to say about the suffering, death, and resurrection, and I have to share the emphasis is repentance. The emphasis is repentance. The emphasis today you'll see is bow your head, close your eyes. That is how to accept Jesus Christ. And if you look, Jesus didn't say in Luke 24, go out to all the world and make them accept me as their Lord and Savior. Make them bow down their heads. And as they have done, then they are saved. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that in every chapter of the book of Acts until the end. I don't see that through Romans in Corinthians. Uh, Romans did say, believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, but you cannot ignore Romans 5. If you are truly justified by faith, should we sin so that grace may increase? No, absolutely not. So why reject that? No, but you go to Timothy, who he, whoever names the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness, which is, again, it's about repentance. If you truly name the Lord, you turn away from wickedness. Again, that is repentance in another phrase. Can you say, whisper with me again, repentance, repentance. Now, if you have been preaching for many, for many years, not preaching repentance, I'm calling you now to repent. And don't justify, don't parade your pride before God. This is scripture. This is a direct command of the Lord. Well, that I was taught this way. I was never... (laughs) It's scripture. It means your foundation was what others said, not the scripture, because you did not carefully look at scripture. Don't blame anybody else. When we were judged, we will not be judged because of somebody else. We will be judged because of what we did. But some are stubborn, really stubborn, really stubborn, because their tradition, again, they're like old dogs who can't learn new tricks. So it's a very stubborn because that's how they keep hearing it. So I keep saying, look at scripture and have a healthy skepticism. If this is what the Lord said, what am I doing? What am I doing? So I'd rather go to just stop here. I don't even invite people, do you want to repent? Follow this prayer after me. I just stop there and allow the Holy Spirit to work on these people. And some of you are here because of that. That's why when I talk about these things, you're question mark, huh? Well, what's, what's a sinner's prayer? Uh, yeah, right, what is it? Somehow it's a, perhaps a 20th century invention, but I need more study on that one where it actually started. But the Lord said what? What is clear, we stick to it. Is that, is that okay if it's clear? If he said proclaim repentance, why don't we emphasize that? Don't add too much to it. Of course, Paul said in in Acts, everywhere I went, he was speaking to King Agrippa, that was our last Sunday sermon. Everywhere I went, I proclaimed repentance and that they turned towards God. So turning towards God is faith, actually. So he was proclaiming repentance and faith. And you see that consistent in Acts 21 when he said to the crowd that everywhere he went, he spoke of repentance from dead works and then faith towards God. And if that's the model they showed us, confirmed by the epistles, why don't we do that? So I'm speaking to you, my brother, my sister, repent of your sin. He suffered, died, and resurrected us repent of your sin you know the greatest sin is not following Christ well John proclaimed it the sin of the world is not believing in the son when you say believe you believe everything he says and did therefore we follow but yet the emphasis but please I want to make sure you understand this although we emphasize repentance instead of acceptance the heart of the gospel is still the suffering, death, and resurrection. May I make that clear, all right? The explanation should be there. The heart of the explanation, explanation is the suffering, death, and resurrection. And that's why we are gathered as believers. Even every Sunday, do you know that every Sunday they just celebrate that, the suffering, death, and resurrection? And we should gather here not for the sake, oh, my growth group leader told me to come. That's why I'm coming. 
Oh, because the people there are so persistent, that's why I'm here. Oh, because I have to go, it's my tradition every Sunday to go to a certain church. Maybe I should try this church. Well, you're always welcome. But they met at the first day of the week for what? They celebrate that the Lord rose again from the dead. He's alive again. Application, proclaim that Christ is the fulfillment. And uh, he is the center of God's plan. That's why I do believe the application. He should be the center of our lives. And uh, we want to be part of God's plan. That's why we partake uh, in this grand plan of God, but we partake of Jesus Christ by following him. Following him. And those are the words he said, follow me, repent, believe. Those are the words of Jesus. He never said, hey, you, Matthew, tax collector, do you accept me? Oh, come on. Can you try saying those words for you? I'm Ed Pilapil Jr., please accept me. Oh, my, it's like I'm begging for you to accept me. Right? It sounds demeaning. That's why I don't say, accept Christ. No, no, we... We have to repent, and we hope that he would accept us. You understand? I, we hope that he'll accept us. And how does he do that? Well, he makes his choices. Claim that Christ is the fulfillment. <laughs> and the, these gospel presenters begging people, please. Please accept Christ. If I would beg, I'd say, please repent for your own soul's sake. Wrong emphasis, wrong understanding. Why? Because they emphasize John 1.12, which is more of a descriptive thing of what happened. John 1.12 is, and uh, those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of flesh or man or the will of man, but of God. That was descriptive of what happens to those who come to Christ. Born not of man, it means, it means not man's decision, but born from above, born of God. Did you decide to be born? Hey, hey, hey did, did you one day from your father's testicles said, I want to be born? No, you did not. It wasn't your choice. It happened. But God said, was born of God. Born of God. Now, going back, that was descriptive. But that was not a proactive command. That was not prescriptive. The proactive command you hear from, from the Gospels is... Believe, repent, follow him. Or turn to him. Next application, proclaim the heart of the gospel. Again, what is the heart of the gospel? The heart of the gospel is the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should make central in our proclamation. And the gospel is about Christ, not us. Take note, not us. Some go come to Christ for their benefit. So that Christ will help me in my time of need. Yes, he does that. He's amazing. But we are not the center of the gospel. He is the center. Not us. But some proclaim Christ like that. They proclaim in such a way that when you come to Christ, he'll take care of you. Yes, in a manner of speaking. But he first takes care of your soul. But because our interpretation is so materialistic, so we think when he say he will take care of me, it's in a material form. And the West is like that right now, where that's why there are so many preachers who are very materialistic, and they preach a message of hope for increased materialism, for increased satisfaction, satisfaction in this modern world. They don't even preach suffering for the glory of God, which is part of what we do. So we proclaim the heart of the gospel, which is Christ, not us, not his blessing, not his blessings, him, himself, what he did, his suffering, death, and resurrection, who he is, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest, who he is. And today they emphasize more on 
the romantic side of it that, oh, because he loves you. They emphasize love, 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 and love. Now, I want you to carefully look at how the disciples preached. And yes, he does love, but he's not only a loving God, he's a just God. He also gave warning. You know that John 3.16, just read after that, verse 17, 18, just read through. Those who believe will have everlasting life, but he who does not is already condemned. You know how hard and strong those words are? But we don't preach it. We stop at 16. We don't take on 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 and 21. We stop there. And that's not the way to study scripture. That's why when we we have these series, most of the time we have a series on, we start from chapter one and we go through it. So we have a full understanding of the context. How many times did they emphasize love when they evangelized? I want you to study it yourself. Those in watching via video, study it yourself, please. Not just because he said, she said. Oh, I heard a minister, but you you know what? He, He also comes from seminary like you. Who cares? Do you care if I come from seminary? What's important is why don't we go through it line by line? Line by line, and see. You know how they begin these gospel tracts? God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for you. I'd like to start, you are already condemned if you don't repent. But he has made a way. Jesus is the only way. I'd like to begin with that, you know? No, but I'd like to begin softer nowadays. Softer, which is my story. And within my story is the heart of the gospel, who he is. It becomes his story along the way, not my story. But I start with my story. So we should never get tired of proclaiming his suffering, death, and resurrection. Why? Because of our sin. And he resurrected because he had no sin. He was perfect, a perfect sacrifice. That's why he could rise again from the dead, because the consequence of sin is death. What happened to Adam and Eve, physical death happened long after they ate the fruit, but they died spiritually immediately. So although his body died, the body of Christ died because he had no sin, the curse of sin could not affect him. He just died because he absorbed our sins. He took the punishment for our sins, and after three days, done and paid. Time to rise from the dead. It was the only worthy sacrifice. And then lastly, we proclaim repentance. The call to repentance is a call to turn around and follow Christ. It involves a change of perspective about sin, self, and godlessness. A change of perspective. Change your perspective about, about sin. Because before, you reason, or you rationalize that it's okay to sin this way anyway. Everybody's doing it anyway. But now we stop. What did scriptures say? We submit to what scriptures say. Now it says repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's why we should proclaim repentance because that's connected for the forgiveness of sins. Somebody prayed the sinner's prayer. Never repented of his sin. The wife comes to me and say, how come he never changed? I said, did he repent? But he accepted. I'm not asking that. Did he repent? Why don't you ask him if he truly repented, not whether he accepted? Because the word acceptance gives multiple meanings that people may not understand. But have they repented? That's the question. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But those who do not, well, those who don't repent, will get the logic will not have the forgiveness of sins. Thus, damnation. All people sinned, thus all of us should repent. None should think they are morally, moral giants. All are sinners. All of us are sinners. I hope we get that. No matter how long you are in the Lord, no matter as you observe the Lord has changed you so much, you never forget that. I'm a sinner. That's why you never think yourself more moral than others. 
you have sinned too in another way. That's why please stop, stop judging others. When I say, we judge according to scripture, by the way. What the scripture says, we, says, we say. If scripture says adultery is a sin, it's a sin. We, we don't have to say, are you judging me? No, I'm not judging you. If you're committing adultery, the word of God says you are, the wrath of God is against you. I'm not saying that. The word is saying that. But we don't judge in a manner that I am more moral than you. That's not how we preach the gospel. We say, we are all sinners. We need him. We need to repent and follow him. We need to grow together in the sanctification. If we're truly saved, we will grow in holiness. Let us be together as we go into this journey. All have sinned. We have sinned. But some use it differently. All have sinned. Therefore, I will continue in my sin. And that's you misunderstand right now. Where repentance is a change of perspective towards that sin. No more. No more. But the way they do the gospel right now is they bring them in slowly. Acceptance, sinner's prayer, and then they make him part. They teach him how to raise their hand in worship. They condition how. They make them emotional in singing. But they haven't truly repented. They now emotionally fall in love, this Jesus who we sing about in our songs, but they have not truly repented. They're not true Christians. They're not true believers. They're what, we, what the apostles warned in the last days. Many will fall away, or they never were. Because they never started with repentance and faith. But do we welcome you here? Yeah, even if you have not repented, keep listening. Maybe one day, Maybe one day, by God's grace, boom, your turning point will happen. Remove repentance from the proclamation and you disobey the direct command of the Lord. For those of you in military, would you under, we would understand what a direct command is, and you respect that. Even the corporations, we respect a direct command from our superior. If a superior says, do this, it's a direct command. And we respect that. To those of you who work, you have to respect that. Unless they're making you do something illegal. Of course, that's another issue. But if it's a direct command, we respect that. Now, this is a direct command of the Lord. Proclaim repentance. It's a command. So please, let us just follow and obey. Why? Because we are saved by grace. And let us repent of our sins. Where does faith come in? Well, if one truly has faith, they will repent. We will repent if we truly have faith. And the one who repents, you could assume that he has faith. So that's why repentance and faith cannot be separated from one another. Many say it's like two things but one. It's like they're married. They're two but one. They're well-connected. So we proclaim repentance in a manner of speaking, we're proclaiming faith. And when we say have faith in him, truly believe in him and follow him more, believe in him more than you believe yourself, we're proclaiming repentance, meaning you're believing him and not your selfish pleasures, not your hedonistic philosophies, but him. So I end with this piece of literature called Proclaim the Gospel. We have heard the proclamation, the sole message of salvation, to liberate from damnation, hear ye men from every nation. Prophecies already fulfilled, our God determined and he willed, the Lord Christ must suffer and die, then he rose to ascend on high. Justice meant for us he received to justify all who believed. Those who believed would then repent, knowing that they too would be sent. Sent for what purpose, one may ask, it is to accomplish the task. The one that needs proclamation of the gospel to all the nations to explain the reason behind 
and all meaning clearly defined. The intent was to change their minds so they would not be so blind. The message includes repentance. And it is not mere acceptance. Repent of sin and godlessness. Receive mercy and forgiveness. Yet the heart of it is the Christ. His one sacrifice that sufficed. And his victorious rising to bestow eternal blessings. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you called us to repentance and you ask us to proclaim repentance to all the nations. Thus we say in the name of Jesus to all that we know, let us repent, let us repent of our sin. Thus we pray and we proclaim everywhere the center of the scriptures, the center of God's plan, Christ himself, the fulfillment of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. Christ himself, who suffered, died, and resurrected. Christ, the heart of the gospel. Not us, not even his blessings, but him himself and what he offers us to those who believe eternal life, to those who do not damnation. Thus, the gospel is both good news to those who believe, but is extreme bad news to those who do not. It is both a call to blessing and a call to damnation to those who do not. So, Lord, we see both sides, the merciful, gracious God, yet the just God, the just and holy God. And Christ received the justice of God and the mercy of God through him flow. Your mercy and your justice meets in him. That's why, that's why he could save us from our sin. Thank you, Lord. Be glorified in every life right here. Give us the courage to proclaim and not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Good morning. <laughs>